pray together. Father, we thank you that you give us opportunity this morning to, to be able to celebrate and realize that, that this is a day that you have made and, and our joy should be full because you are the fullness of, of all perfect and good gifts from above. And part of that is the joy that you still within our hearts. We thank you, we love you, we praise you for all things, but more importantly, we recognize you as God and King. We recognize you as Lord and Savior. We recognize you as a God who is active in our lives, deep within the inward crevices of our heart. And we thank you that we can worship you, honor you, and recognize you as Lord of all. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing our song of thanksgiving. I have heard the joyful sound. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Jesus for for giving us everything that we have and we're going to give you back what you have asked from us to Heavenly Father and we just ask that you would use it to further your kingdom Jesus and we just thank you for this day I pray for our pastor as he comes and he brings the message that you have laid upon his heart speak through him Jesus give us all a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit and help us hear the words that you want us to to hear to Heavenly Father and we just love you we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Since then I walked in forgiveness. Oh. 
beginning God created the heavens and the earth and when he created the heavens and the earth he created the heavens and the earth to receive himself in the beginning God created and yet at the very beginning of scripture in Genesis chapter 1 it says this as he created the earth formless empty darkness covered the surface of the water surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God hovered over all that he created. Now, we just said God created, God the Father created the heavens and the earth, and yet the, whole, the Spirit of God hovers the earth. Theologically, as you jump to John chapter 1, it says that in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. That's the beginning, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word we're speaking of says in verse 14, and that Word became flesh and took up residence among us. 
So from the very beginning of time, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was a part of the creation. In Genesis chapter 1 is about a new creation. It is about the creation of everything. Well, did you realize in Genesis chapter 8, there is another new creation? Whoa. God created the heavens and the earth, right? But in Genesis chapter 8, God created again. And that's where we are this morning in a message, saved for a purpose. And we're talking about Noah and his family. We're talking about Noah and all his little munchkins that jump into the ark with him. We're talking about all that God had created had come to a halt, and now they're all packed inside an ark. And for, you know, for several days, several, several moments of time, here is part of God's creation inside this wooden ark. All right, we pick up in Genesis chapter 8. In Genesis chapter 8, it says this. God remembered Noah. Now, I can stop, pull over and park, and we can put all our names in there. God remembered Donna. God remembered George. God remembered Brian. God remembered Walter. When all happens in life, when all seems to break loose and you don't know where to turn, isn't it good to know God remembers who we are? And for Noah, isn't it good for him to know that God remembered him at a said part in history? And it says God remembered Noah as well as all the wildlife and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. God caused a wind to pass over all the earth and the water began to subside. The sources of the watery depths, you remember? God in the beginning created the watery depths, all right? And those watery depths, the floodgates of the sky were closed and the rain from the sky stopped. The water suddenly receded from the earth, and by the end of 150 days, the waters had decreased significantly. Now, this pandemic has caused us to use the word loosely. I'm tired of our four walls. Boy, 150 days with a bunch of stinking animals? Don't you know that Noah said, I'm tired of these, these four walls. The ark came to rest in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. Now, keep in mind the Mount of Ararat. We're going to go back to it. The waters continue to recede until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were visible. And he sent out a raven. It went back and forth until the waters had dried up from the earth. And then he set out a dove to see whether the water on the earth's surface had gone down. But the dove found no resting place for her foot. She returned to him in the ark because the waters covered the surface of the whole earth. He reached out and brought her into the ark himself. So Noah waited seven more days 
sent out the dove from the ark again. When the dove came to him at evening, there was, was a plucked olive leaf in her beak. So Noah knew that the water on the earth's surfaces had gone. After he waited another seven days, he sent out a dove, but she did not return to him again. In the 601st year, man, Noah is old. <laughs> now you talk about aching knees and, a, and some blurry eyes. Wow. In the 601st year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the water had covered the earth, it's now dried up. Then Noah removed the ark's cover and saw the surface of the ground was drying. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was dry. Now don't get lost in all those months and days. In other words, this is a recorded time in history that is written down that happened. That's why all these dates and months and all this time is mentioned. Then God spoke to Noah, come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, your son's wives with you. Bring out every living thing, all flesh that was with you, with you, birds, livestock, creatures that crawl on the ground. They will spread over all the earth. They'll be fruitful. They'll multiply on the earth. So Noah, along with his sons, his wives, his wife and his son's wives came out. All wildlife, all livestock, every bird, every creature that crawls on the earth came out of the ark by groups. Then Noah built an altar for the Lord. All right, God remembered Noah. Days and days and days and days have gone by. The ark becomes open now when God says, Noah, come forth. Sounds like Jesus when he was with Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Giving Noah back life given the world back life, and Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of every kind of clean animal and every kind of clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man, even though man's inclination is evil from his youth. I will never again strike down every living thing that I have done. As long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will not cease. So God gave a promise. This message is about being saved for a purpose. Now, the question is, why did he save Noah? Why did he bring about all of this on the face of the earth? Now, think of this. The, the gathering gang just sang a song about salvation. They just sang a song about being saved. And it should stir up joy in our heart. It should stir up something to think about. What is my purpose in life? Why did God choose me? Why did God hover over my life? Why did God allow all this to happen in my life to bring me to this point so that I have opportunity to recognize him as Lord and Savior of my life? Why has he brought me to this point? Why am I here today? What is my purpose in all of this? Why is God still active in my life? Those are the questions we ask. The experience of Noah is the illustration of eternal truth. And as you read this inspired account of Noah's deliverance from the flood, it becomes obvious that his deliverance 
was a work of God. There was nothing that Noah could do to stop the flood. It was nothing that Noah could do to preserve life himself. It was nothing that Noah could do to stop anything that was happening. It was nothing Noah could do to open up the gates that would allow him to leave the ark. It was nothing Noah could do. Noah's at the mercy of God. He's at the, the recognition of God in his life. And God remembered Noah. He remembered the livestock. He remembered everything that he had put together. And this is a work of God. Salvation is a work of God. Salvation is a work in which God moves into the inward crevices of all our hearts for a purpose and a plan. It is God who is at work in all of us, and it was God who, who, who opens up all the opportunities that we could see in a new perspective, as he did for Noah. It was God who sealed Noah in the ark, preserved him for a 150-day flood. It was God who gave him a word to come out of the ark, this, pres- this, prepara- this preparation that he had done, all the work that he had done was a part of preserving what God's work was about to do. Noah's part, God's work, but Noah's part was faith. When God spoke, Noah responded. When God commanded, Noah obeyed. When yet, at the same time, Noah didn't save himself. He he just put himself in a position to listen to God, and he did and God did the saving. He had a purpose for Noah's life, and he had an experience that he wanted Noah to ride upon. God did not save you and I from a life of sin and a life of hopelessness without a purpose. God has purpose in rescuing you and I from the plight of our own sin and from our own actions. If you can see clearly the purpose that God had in the salvation of Noah, we will be able to see God's purpose in our salvation as well. It's a powerful story, and it relates to all of Scripture. As Peter reminded us in the first letter that he wrote, Noah's salvation is an illustration of our salvation, he says. He was in the rim of the physical Noah was, but we're in the rim of the spiritual. The physical realities of Noah's salvation is so beautifully represented through the spiritual realities of our salvation. As you look carefully at the Hebrew text of Genesis chapter 8, it becomes clear that Moses intended for the reader to see the relationship between what happened in the flood and after the flood, which what happened at the very beginning that happens in your life and mine. There's a parallel as well between Genesis 1 and Genesis 8. In Genesis 1, it's the chapter of the beginning, and Genesis 8 is the chapter of the new beginning. If Genesis 1 is a chapter of creation, then Genesis 8 is a chapter of new creation. And it gets me all excited when you flip the pages all the way to 2 Corinthians 5.17 and he says this, If any person is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So here was Noah 
standing on the brink of a new creation. He was living that new creation. God saved Noah for a purpose. He saved him for a new creation. So let's explore this chapter, listen to the instructions from this chapter, and understand three important reminders of our own salvation. First of all, I want us to see this. We are saved for enjoyment, okay? We are saved for enjoyment. The opening verses of of Genesis 8 details the receding waters. Moses makes it clear, if you believe Moses is the author of this, makes it clear that the waters recede because of God's activity. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals, all the livestock, everybody in the ark, and he sent wind over the earth and the waters receded. The appearance of dry ground reminded them that now Noah has an exit. And yet it is a result of God's activity in creation, okay? This is so interesting in this account that Noah sends out two birds. One is a bird who is a wild bird, a raven, who who eats basically um, dead things. And he sends out a dove who is a little bit more pure and cleaner bird that focuses on flowers and vegetation. And the raven goes out and he doesn't come back. But the dove goes out and he comes back because he can't find the landing spot. And so Noah sends out that clean bird, this beautiful dove. The dove flew across the face of the waters, found no resting spot, comes back. Noah sticks his arm out. The bird lands on him. He brings him back in the ark. And he says, another day, another time. Seven days later, he sends him out again. And this time he comes back with a little twig in his mouth, in his little beak. And Noah says, aha. Something good is happening. The olive tree that had already begun to bud gives evidence that there is life. So when Noah sent the dove out the third time, it did not return because the dove found a place to land, the plant found a place to experience all of life in the creation that God had before them. Noah continued to wait until the word came from God. And on the first day of the first month of Noah's 601th year, He removed the covering from the ark and and there was the surface of the ground all dry. Then God said to Noah, come out, Noah. There is no other life. There's only those individuals in the ark that's human life on the earth. And he opens the door and says, here is your new creation. That's salvation, guys. That's the exciting part about you being saved. All that has happened to you up until the time of your conversion is now becomes your past. If any person is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so that's what Noah's experiencing. He's experiencing the old is gone and the new is before him. He was saved for something new. He was saved for a whole new creation of his life. And yet it's up to Noah to establish all the grounds from here on out. It's up to Noah on how bad it's going to get or how good it's going to stay. 
is up to Noah now. Now it's beyond the Adam and Eve situation. It's now in Noah's hands. And Noah has to do with what God gives him at that very moment. When Noah lifted the covering of the ark and he looked out on that earth, the, the fleshly experience, it had to be very tempting to, to, to look at those waters and see them now as just bathtub waters, not to see them as flood waters, because the Creator has provided all this before Him. Father God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all a part of this Noah experience. And He says to him, Come out of the ark. On August 16th of 1981, when I gave my heart to Christ on about 8.35 in the evening during the close of an evangelistic crusade and an evening with, with an evangelist. And he says, for those who have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, he said, I want you to do something. I want you to forget about your pride. I want you to forget about who you are. And I want you to think about God and give your life to God this day. Let go of who you are and seek him at this altar. And that was my invitation. That was my invitation. That was when God says to me, come forth. Come out of the dirt and the clay and the smelliness of your life. Leave your ark and come into your new creation. That's the beauty of salvation. That's the beauty of this experience of Noah. Some say this is just a historical account of what took place in a flood. No, it's not. It's about the salvation of every person that follows thereafter. It's about looking and dropping the, dropping the door of that which you've been closed into all your life and looking out into a whole new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has, has come. Walk into this newness. That's an exciting part of giving our life to Jesus. Come out of your ark, God says. And as they did what God told them to do, it's a reminder to us that God has saved them so that they can inhabit the earth. They were saved so they could enjoy God's creation. You are saved not to, work, to, to live a life of restriction. You are saved to enjoy all that God's created that is good. The Old Testament word for salvation is an interesting word. It, it, it means to be wide. It means to, to be spacious. It means to have room. So he says to Noah, Noah, I have given you all the room that you need. There is no human life in front of you. Everything alive is behind you in the ark. And as you look out onto these dry waters, you are creating and you are enjoying this big spacious life that I have put before you, the new creation. And that's what he says to us. Being a Christian is not restrictive. Being a Christian is all about enjoying the spaciousness of what the Spirit of God, God the Son, God the Father is in our life and is an enormous amount to experience. The idea helps us to understand 
that we have been given room, that we have been given victory. This is not what, this is not, uh, as I said, a restrictive life. It is moving from the confining quarters that we live in in a dark, smelly environment to moving into this spacious, beautiful, sweet aroma that God has given us. This is what God has given us in Christ. And he has given us the wide place, the room, plenty of that room, so that he can do his purpose and let us do what we have been purposed to do. The idea of salvation can, for some, may be seen as a negative, but it's not. It is the joy, the fullness, the freedom, the hope, the fellowship with God, as well as fellowship one with another. God had in mind your enjoyment when he saved you as he had in mind with Noah and his enjoyment of the new creation that he saved him to experience. Second of all, we are saved for celebration. Not only enjoyment, but celebration. Noah's record of the exit from the ark we have this beautiful account. What's the first thing Noah did? Did you catch it? He built an altar. Noah is the first one recorded in Scripture that built an altar for God. Did you realize that? And yet he built an altar for God on the new creation, that is. The first one in the new creation that built an altar. And yet Noah is there because he wants to celebrate what God has given him. It's exciting to know that we have life in Christ, that we have life through our Father. We have life because of the hovering of the Spirit of God upon our watery depths of our life. That the Spirit of God and Him, the Trinity, the God as a whole is a part of our life. It is a time of celebration It is that which God has given to us. And we should have the altars before us today. That altar may become your private spot in your home. It may become a very public spot out in your life. But wherever that place is that you spend time with God becomes your altar. And Noah knew how important it was to recognize God as the sizable God that he is that can create a flood to destroy the whole earth who now opens the ark for Noah to enjoy everything on the earth. That is good. He had on board of the ark seven pairs of each species of clean animals and clean birds and he took two of each of these species and he offers it as a sacrifice to God. Now, I know sacrificing animals creates negativity in our life today, but you got to remember the ultimate sacrifice has not occurred. And so there was a need for atonement. There was a need for confession. There was a need for recognition of God being Lord of their lives. And they took these burnt offerings as a sign of consecration and dedication. This is what Noah says. God, you have confined me inside this dark, smelly place for 150 plus days. 
And now you have given me the wide spans of an entire life that I can enjoy, all your creation. And he says, I am consecrating every step of my life to you. And he offers this burnt offering and that aroma is pleasing to God, the scripture says. He's pleased with Noah's actions. He saved him for a purpose. And he says to him, now go into this world and help recreate it. I want you to procreate this entire world. I want you to send the animals out. Let them have fun. I want them to multiply this earth. I want you as a family to multiply this earth. I want, I want human beings again. I want animals again. And I want them to have in all the earth. And Noah says it is by my my command is by my heart is my my desire as for me and my house I will serve the Lord from this day forward it is a consecration dedication you have saved me and I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life that's Noah's experience if anyone is a new in Christ he, he or she is a new creation anyone in Christ is a new creation the old is gone the new has come what have you said to God since your salvation is it a dedication? Is it a consecration? Are you saying to God, as Noah said, and looking out as a whole new sphere of life, have you said to God, this day forward, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I'm going to love you with all my being. I'm going to love you with, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself as you've commanded. Have you made that commitment? That's what happens after salvation. Beautiful experience. Noah is celebrating God's saving work. In this celebration, through the sacrifice he offers, he offers himself and he offers his family. And it's especially significant that God is pleased with what he saw. In contrast to the reaction to this family before the flood, we read that God... The Lord smelled the, the, the pleasing aroma and said in his heart. So before the flood, it could never have been pleasing to God. After the flood, it was pleasing. What we saw before the flood moved him to the announced judgment. After the flood, he sees that which is pleasing unto his heart. That's why all of heaven rejoices over one soul, one sinner who repents. That's why, because it, it reaches the heart of God and all of heaven becomes silent for just a moment as that one sinner prays. And when they say, Lord God, I invite you into my life. I recognize you as Lord and Savior of my life. I want to live for you the rest of my life from this day forward in the newness of the creation that you have given me. I want to dedicate myself to you. I want to consecrate myself to you. I want this to be a sanctifying moment of my life. And from that point on, all of heaven celebrates over that one who says yes to God. This is why God saved Noah. He saved him so that he could build an altar, that he could offer the proper sacrifice of his life in worship, so that he could bring pleasure to God. When God created, God created all that he created. He created Himself, he created all that to, to give of himself, to give of his eternal love to that which he created. 
And as long as that which has been created receives that eternal love, all is well. But when that eternal love is snuffed out because of the sin and because of the disobedience, God brings judgment as he literally did from Genesis 1 to Genesis 8. And he said, I'll start over and I'll create it all over again. And that's what he did to Noah. And he says, I created, it was all good, and you messed it up. Now I'm going to give you one last chance, and I'm going to save you for a purpose. And when the doors of the ark come open, you have the greatest decision of your life. Are you going to live for the gates of hell, or are you going to live for the gates of heaven? And when the doors flew open, Noah says, Praise be unto God. I have been given new life. I have been saved for a purpose. And I am given the full responsibility that was given to Adam and Eve to take care of this world. All over. And he says, to start it off, I consecrate my life unto thee. Take my life and lead me, Lord, he says. And he erects that altar and he offers that sacrifice and it makes God smile. It pleases him. He was so displeased before the ark door was closed. And he still was at a point of displeasure until... Noah offered his sacrifice, and God was well pleased. Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's amazing. This story of Noah is not just a one historical event that's captured in Scripture of something great God has done. It is the story of salvation that is going to continue to unfold all the way until that work is completed in our personal lives when we're standing face to face with God. That's powerful. God saves us so that we can gladly, in celebration, present our bodies to God in the same manner that Noah presented to God that day. You and I are saved so that we could celebrate God's salvation and worship. So we are saved for enjoyment. We are saved for celebration. And third and last, we are saved for multiplication. As Noah brought the animals out of the ark, he was told to bring every kind of living creature that is with him. The birds, the animals, all of the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth, be fruitful and increase in number. The purpose of God in saving the animals and the birds was that they would multiply and fill the earth. But then God was, gave a word to Noah and his sons. God placed a special blessing on Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Twice in Scripture, God says, go have sex and enjoy it and multiply this world. It's basically what he says. In the confinements of the relationship that it needs to stay. 
And so the multiplication was a basic part of God's saving purpose. Now, we're talking about the physical. Now, think about our spiritual reality. So where does the multiplication come in to our spiritual reality of life? So here he's telling us to take what we have received. We talked about in Sunday school very briefly what we have received from God and we pass it along to others. We help them. We do, as Jesus says in Matthew 28, all authority has been given unto me. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and remember, remember this, I will be with baptizing them as well. I will be with you until the end of the age. So he says, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to help you to understand your multiplication, your, your multiplication table, how you can multiply yourself into someone else. And that one person can multiply themselves into someone else. And so he says to Noah, Noah, here is all of creation. I want you to physically multiply and I want human life to return to the earth. And he says to us when we stand there as the, the ark is lifted spiritually from our own lives and we're standing there as a new creation before God at the moment of conversion, he says, here is your new creation. Now multiply what you have just received. Multiply the love, the mercy, the reconciliation. Multiply the wholeness, the help, understand the kindness, the compassion. Multiply that into someone else's life. Go. Be fruitful and multiply the experience of salvation to someone else. Wow. Yes, this story of Noah is not a historical story captured in Scripture at a one-time event. It is a story about salvation. It is the story about what happens after salvation. It is the story of celebration because God has remembered us. He's called us by name, and we have a choice. Are we going to offer that of our life that is pleasing to God's heart, or are we going to walk away and do our own thing? We were saved for multiplication. He had provided everything that man would need for this habitation and for creation, and yet here was the man and his family was to fill up this creation and enjoy what God had provided in their lives in the creation and he saved them. And then he gave them the charge to go forth and multiply. Multiplication was in God's saving purpose, not only for animals, not only for mankind, but is for every person thereafter. Be fruitful. How does the fruit become fruitful. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he says, if those branches are going to be fruitful, they're going to blossom, then they have to stay connected to the vine. And the vine is the source of life. Once the branch is severed from the vine, it's just thrown into a fire and destroyed. 
So as long as we stay connected, so in this multiplication process, it is so vitally important that we remain in Christ, that we remain in God, that we remain in the Holy Spirit, that we allow that Holy Spirit to inhabit the temple and to be a part of that temple. And therefore, we're not straining the truth. We're not twisting the text. But we are accepting what Jesus says when he stood there in Galilee. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them all the things that I have observed. And I will be with you until the end of the age. And I told you to go back to Mount Ararat, didn't I? Dr. Ray Stedman makes an interesting observation. He was studying that of Genesis. He claims, now I I can't refute it, so I'm going to take it as a good study, but it's something quite interesting that maybe you want to try to study for yourself. He claims that the day that the ark settled on the top of the mountain and the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead was the same day on the Hebrew calendar. Okay? Whether this is true or not, it's interesting. It was resurrection ground that Noah stood after the flood. He had been given new life, and he had been given new opportunity. That's resurrection power, isn't it? Jesus says to to his disciples as They stood on resurrection ground because it was a resurrection appearance recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, when Jesus stood there before his disciples in Galilee and he gave this great commission, go and make disciples. They were standing on resurrection ground. It was a parallel to the word that he gave to Noah as he came out of the ark. Under the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, we too are to multiply. God saved us so that his house might be filled with new disciples every day. He saved us so that we might have people be affected from every tribe, every nation, and every known tongue. God had in mind multiplication in both instances of Noah's life and in our life today. We know the outcome of Noah's case, don't we? Obviously, we're here. Are we enjoying our new creation? But what is the outcome of our case Today, the ark has been, the ark door has dropped. And we're allowed to come out first and to look at the new creation. Are we enjoying this creation in which the old things are passed away and all these things are new? Are we celebrating God's salvation in deeds of sacrifice and worship with Him every day? Are we multiplying ourselves spiritually into someone else? Are new disciples coming to the family of God because you and I are saved? Every time God saves someone, a door is open to a new creation. 
and hell has been shuttered out of their life. Opportunity is given for additional worshipers. A possibility of multiplication has become reality. This is what God had in mind when he saved you and he saved me. Let me encourage you. Go forth today. Take your stand upon resurrecting ground and see God's saving purpose for your life and fully accept what he's calling you to do and fully recognize all the accomplishments that God can do through you. Will you go forth today and make disciples? Basically what he told Noah, go forth, multiply this earth from the people based on what you believe and develop the people based on what you've come to love. Create before you in all of your multiplication, the people that will dedicate and consecrate their life from this day forward for me. Will you go forth and make disciples? Challenging question, isn't it? Who would have thought it came from Genesis chapter 8 in the recreation of what God put forth in Noah's life? Noah's not a historical account written in Scripture only. It's the story of salvation and that which follows after. So what will follow this point after in your life? Father, we thank you that you remind us of such wonderful truth, such wonderful realities that are right there at the very beginning of time that's recorded in the very beginning pages of your word and yet to be reminded today that this just wasn't a story of where you wiped out the earth because you were in displeasure, but it is a story of new opportunity. It is a story of salvation. It is a story of new life. Father, thank you that you remember Noah and therefore remember us. Give us the fortitude, give us the courage, give us the empowerment to accept all that that we need to accept this day, to be your disciples, to be your ambassadors in this kingdom, to accept our ministry of reconciliation and helping people be brought back to you. We thank you, God, for all that you are, all that that we can experience and all that you can empower all of us to do on an everyday basis. May we commit this day to what your amazing love is about and say, I will serve you with all my being. And this is the mark in my life, this day that I'll remember of, of April 25th of 2021 as the day that changed my life. Thank you, Father for giving us new creation today. In your name that we pray, amen.
Oh